0: Okay, let's um, turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, We're on a uh, new series, The Trying of Your Faith, and this is part two of The Trying of Your Faith. Last time we talked about the source of tests and trials. Uh, We talked some about Satan's devices and how he operates Uh, we went into some detail about that and today I want to continue a little bit more along that line Uh, today we're going to look at another one of Satan's devices that he uses to try our faith and to put our faith on trial and that is questioning God's Word and character Satan comes to question God's word and and God's character. So let's uh, look at 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now read this from the uh, New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. The New Life Version says, Dear friends, Your faith is going to be tested as if it were going through fire. Do not be surprised at this. So the trial is of your faith. Last time, as I mentioned, we talked about the source of tests and trials, and God is not the one trying your faith. Peter did not say, God is trying your faith. People just read in between the lines, And uh, they say, well, I know that's not what he said, but that's what he really meant. (laughs) Um, Hold your place there and just turn a few pages back to the left to James chapter 1. You you can hold your place there first, Peter. We'll eventually be back there. Uh, James chapter 1. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now I'm going to read this from the Holman translation. It says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil persons or evil things. And he himself does not tempt anyone. Now you have to have a lot of help from the devil to misunderstand that scripture. I mean, that's about as plain as you can get. But we've had a lot of help from the devil to make sure that we reach the wrong conclusion. Satan is the one who will put your faith on trial. He's the one who comes to test and try your faith. He's the one telling you that God is the one putting you through this. You know, you, you buy a, a new car, you, you test it. You try it out, don't you? Uh, does it live up to the claims of the manufacturer? Uh, you know, take, take a, a company, uh, say, that manufactures clothing and they make a... a they make a clothing, say for firemen, and they guarantee this clothing is fire resistant or heat resistant. Uh, they, 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 have, they, know, they made these clothes, they know it will stand up to the test. They know it will, if they say these clothes will resist 300 degrees, they know it will. Now a competitor may come along and put their clothes to the test and say, well, let's really see Let's really see if these clothes will resist 300 degrees or whatever. And that's what Satan does. He comes along to say, let's see if if your faith is really real. Let's see if if you've got the real deal. So you have a measure of the same faith God has. Uh, Turn back just uh, one or two pages there to Hebrews 12. Verse two, it says looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Our faith comes from him. We have the same measure of faith that God has. God knows what our faith will hold up to anything that the devil brings against us. God already knows that. The devil's the one that wants to put it to the test and find out is it the real deal Will will you stand or will you give in to, to his demand he's the one that wants to know that God already knows you're capable of withstanding anything he brings against you it's the devil who comes to test your faith now back over 1st uh, Peter again chapter 1 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. He says, faith is precious to God and it's precious to you. Faith is precious. It's valuable because without faith, we cannot receive from God what He's already provided to us through His promises. Without faith, we cannot please God. With our faith, it enables us to overcome the world. That's our sign out there. This is the victory that uh, overcomes the world, even our faith. So it's valuable. It's precious. Uh, The people who came to Jesus in His ministry, at least half the time, When they came to him, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. He didn't say according to my power, be it done unto you. He didn't say according to my ability, be it done unto you. So their faith was the determining factor in what they received. The just shall live by faith. So faith pleases God. God values and esteems your faith highly and so should you now because your faith pleases God because it is so valuable because it overcomes the world system it overcomes Satan and all his devices uh, you know Satan realizes that that's why it's a threat to him your faith is a threat to the enemy and he recognizes that Uh, The New Living Translation of this verse says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. When you resist Satan and stand on the word of God and come out victorious, your faith will also bring you health and blessing now in this lifetime. This is why Satan takes a great risk. He takes a huge risk when he comes uh, against you with a test and a trial. Because when your faith passes the test, you're going to come out stronger. And that is not what he intended to happen. That's not what he's planning to happen. When he brings a test and a trial, he plans for it to drain your faith. That's his plan. Not not for you to stand, having done all to stand and come out stronger in victory. He plans to drain your faith, hang you up as a testimony you know have you go out and tell everybody I tried that faith stuff and it doesn't work that's his plan he wants you to be a testimony that that faith stuff doesn't work well he's come to the wrong place amen that's the outcome he wants not for your faith to get stronger the stronger your spirit becomes on the word the stronger your faith becomes and Satan begins to lose control in your life. And with Satan, it's all about control. With Satan, it's all about control. Through a lack of knowledge of God's word and a lack of faith, he's able to dominate and control people and keep them bound to the circumstances of this curse-filled world. The more your faith gets developed in the area of divine health, the more Satan begins to lose control of that area of your life. The more you get developed and the the stronger your faith becomes, developed in the laws of abundance and God's system of increase, Satan begins to lose control over that area of your life. That's why it, it's a great threat to him. It, and then That's why he wants to steal that word out of you. Because if he can do that, then he can maintain his control over you. And that's what it's all about. This, this is true for every area of your life. So your faith is a threat to the enemy. And this is why Peter said, don't think that the test and trials meant to rob you of your faith is something strange that's happening to you. That's Satan's job description. Killing, stealing, and destroying. We talked about that last time. Now, uh, last time we, we went into some detail uh, about Satan's devices in 2 Corinthians 2.11. And I want us to uh, look a little further into this area. Mm -hmm. Now the word devices means to exercise the mind. It describes shrewd, conniving, sly, crafty, devious, cunning, and tricky. And Satan's had a long, time to practice and he has perfected it. One of the devices he uses when he comes to try your faith is to get you to question God's Word and God's character. Now let's turn to 2 Corinthians 11 Second Corinthians eleven, uh, verse one. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, notice that phrase, and it might help to underline it, the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, the context here, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he is concerned about these Christians new Christians readily accepting false teachers that are coming into their midst. They're preaching some other gospel besides besides what he's taught them. They're readily accepting false teachers, and they're rejecting the truth. That's the context he's writing in here. And he uses the example of Eve being deceived by the serpent. And he says, corrupted by the simplicity that is in Christ. In other words, something simple being corrupted or made complicated. He's taught them the simple uh, gospel of Jesus and these false teachers come along and they're trying to make it complicated and, and they've, they've dropped the truth and now they're readily accepting what these false teachers have uh, taught them and Paul's writing to them about it. Now, Satan is an ancient being. He hasn't always been God's enemy. In heaven, he was Lucifer, the anointed cherub. Uh, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 gives us a little glimpse of Lucifer. We don't have a whole lot of Uh, you know, information about him. But we get a little bit of insight there in those two chapters and books. We don't know how long he was in heaven. The Bible says iniquity was found in him. And he led a rebellion in heaven against God. And you can read about that in Isaiah 14. And God cast him out of heaven along with the other angels that joined him in this rebellion. Now, Peter also refers uh, to two worlds, and he refers to the world that now is and the world that was. Now, the world that was, he's referring to the pre-Adamic world. That's what Bible scholars believe. Some Bible scholars believe, I don't want to speak for all of them, but the full gospel Bible scholars believe that there was a race of people on earth before Adam. And this is what Peter's referring to when he says the world that was. Uh, It is thought that Satan was here on the earth in that pre-Adamic civilization. So he has been around for millennia thousands of years, observing people and human nature. Satan is not God's equal. He's not man's equal. He is a fallen angel. We are created in the God class, in the likeness and image of God. Satan's not in the God class. He's not even the man class. He's a fallen angel. And that's why he has to rely on deception to get an advantage over people. And, I, you know, I'm not uh, trying to embolden Satan or anything like that at all. He, he has, he's been stripped of his power. But what I'm trying to say is he has been here thousands of years. And he has been observing people for a long, long time. And your little few years here on this earth of human experience, you are not gonna be able to mentally challenge him. You're not gonna be able to mentally reason with him and outwit him and outthink him and outwit him on a mental level. You will not be able to do it. He, he is uh, he's an intelligent being. You know, we, we, talk, we mentioned last time about that survey where six out of 10 Christians don't even believe that Satan is, is a, a spiritual personality. They just believe he's a symbol of evil. Um, and so they're at a huge disadvantage. So, uh, you know, if you think you can compete with Satan and overcome him mentally, you're gonna lose that contest. Uh, He has deceived the most brilliant. Over in Isaiah 14, I paraphrase it. It says, you know, the time's coming when man is going to look at Satan and he's going to say, You mean that little thing deceived the nations? You mean that little thing is what robbed me of what God promised me? You know? i let that little thing talk me out of the promises of God. That little thing, <sighs> that's, that's what he really is, but he is very intelligent and he's not the big shot he would have you believe, but he's been around for a long time. That's what I'm trying to say. Anybody, you know, he's very intelligent. You know, you've seen films about really intelligent people, but they're very evil. You know, they use their intelligence for evil purposes. And it's the same type situation. Um, he may be intelligent, but anybody who thinks they can overcome God is stupid. You know? He wants to pull you away from the faith realm and pull you over into the physical and mental realm because that is the only way he can defeat you. Satan has no defense for the word of God spoken in faith. That's why if you can keep him in the faith realm on the word of God, you will defeat him every time. So you make him deal with you on your terms. Don't deal with him on his terms. You make him deal with you on your terms in the area of faith. Satan may be an intelligent being but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why it's a shame for a child of God to yield to him and to be deceived and defeated by him. Because reality is we're the ones who have an advantage over him. We have the name of Jesus. We have the spirit of God, the wisdom of the ages living on the inside of us. We have the word, the sword of the spirit. We have tongues. We can pray to God and the devil doesn't even know what we're praying about. We can keep him totally in the dark about all of our affairs when we pray in tongues. So in reality, he's afraid of us. But when, you know, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. But if Christians, that's why we, we need to learn about how to lean on the Holy Spirit and how to listen to him and how to be guided by him because, you know, for Christians who never pay any attention to the Holy Spirit, they're not God-inside-minded. They think God's out there on Mars somewhere. He's 300 million miles away from them. They're they're not aware God's on the inside of them. They don't lean on Him. They don't look to Him. They don't pay attention to Him. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit's not even there, you know. Um, But Satan, and and when Satan looks at, at us, he's thinking, that's not fair. That's not fair. They've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. You know, they've got the name of Jesus. They've got the word of God. That's not fair. I'm outnumbered. That's what he's really thinking. He's he's really afraid of you. He's limited to the physical realm, but we are unlimited. 2 Corinthians 10, just one page back, says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not natural. We are not limited to the natural physical realm, but our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So this is why we need to learn how to lean on the Holy Spirit and be God inside minded and pay attention to him and be aware of his leadership. Let's say this out loud. The smarter, the wiser, the greater one, the one is, in me. is in me. Amen. Now let's, um, if you look down there in 2 Corinthians uh, 11, verse 14 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now that's tricky, isn't it? Transforming himself into an angel of light. You know, somebody might say, I saw the devil. And you say, what did he look like? And they say, well, he was wearing a red suit, and he had a pitchfork, and he had a pointed tail and pointed ears. They didn't see the devil, (laughs) okay? They just saw a film of somebody's idea of what the devil looked like. And just because somebody sees a bright, shining, glistening being doesn't mean they've heard from God either. This tells us he can transform himself into an angel of light. So I don't care if an entire choir of bright, glistening, shining beings appear in your bedroom in the morning. Whatever they tell you, you measure it and you judge it according to the word of God. Amen? We judge and we check and we measure everything according to the written word, not according to some shiny, bright, glistening thing that looks like an angel. We check everything by the word. Whatever they tell you, check it by the word. If it doesn't agree with the word, laugh at them and cast them out. Amen? Now let's turn to this example that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 11, 3. So hold your place there in 2 Corinthians 11. Hold your place in 2 Corinthians 11. And let's turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. This is the uh, example that Paul, Paul's referring to over in 2 Corinthians 11. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now there's the word subtle again. We saw the word subtle over there in 2 Corinthians 11. We see it here. The word subtle means so delicate or precise as to be difficult to analyze or describe, making use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. That's what subtle means. Now, uh, we won't turn there, but you know over in James 3.17, he talks about a wisdom that is not from above, that is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So let's watch Satan operate here through the serpent. Verse 1, The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So here is one of the devices Satan uses when it comes to try your faith. He comes to challenge God's word and what God said. He comes to challenge the word of God. And he will challenge your understanding of it. Now, uh, in Ma- we won't turn there, but you can write down Matthew 13, 19. Jesus referred to this. Jesus said, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart so it's not only just important to hear the word it's it's important to have an understanding of the word because your faith is based on what God said that's why Satan comes to challenge the word it's the basis of your faith it's the basis of your believing it's precious it's valuable verse 2 and the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, God never mentioned touching the tree. He never mentioned it. But If you're not supposed to eat of the tree, it might be a good idea not to touch it. You know? Because if you touch it, that's going to be the next step, isn't it? (laughs) So, it might be a good idea not to touch a tree if you're not supposed to eat of it. But God never mentioned that. There's nothing confusing here about what God said. This is a simple instruction. There is nothing complicated about it. In verse 1, when Satan said, Did God say you're not to eat of every tree in the garden? This is the subtlety. He's trying to complicate a very simple instruction. This is his subtlety. God gives him a very simple instruction and Satan comes to challenge that and make something complicated out of it. Complicating the simple. Now remember what we read in 2 Corinthians 11:3. The context was something simple as the gospel of Jesus being corrupted and complicated by false teachers. This is what Paul was addressing. And he referred back to this example in Genesis 3, where Satan beguiled Eve. Um, Did I read verse 3? Yeah, I did, okay. Mm -hmm. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. This is a lie. Satan is complicating this and trying to get Eve to question God's word. He said, You won't die. Look, at, look there on the same page, chapter 2, verse 17. This is God speaking. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that ye thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God said, if you eat of that, you will die. Satan says, no, you won't. Do you see how he operates? God says, yes, you will. He says, no, you won't. It's a lie. He's challenging their faith in what God said. He comes to challenge your faith about what God has said. Let's say this out loud. The simplicity simplicity of of faith. God says, I laid all sickness, all disease over on Jesus, and by his stripes you were healed. He says, no, you're not. Why don't you feel and see if you're healed? All sickness and disease laid over on Jesus. And uh, he says, he, he speaks to your mind, or he'll send another Christian across your path, and they'll say, yeah, but now, that's not talking about physical healing. That's talking about spiritual healing. Do you see the subtlety? And the craftiness, questioning God's word. As Satan says, it's not God's will to heal everybody. Because Jesus just healed specific people in his ministry just to prove that he was the son of God. And so that's, that's finished. He proved he was the son of God. That's finished. Satan deceives people into believing that sickness is their cross to bear and God's going to get glory from it. And folks, if that's not one of the biggest deceptions, I don't know what is. These people are taken captive by Satan at his will. You read Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And your faith rises up and you get excited. Hallelujah. I can come out of this lack. I can come out of debt. I don't have to live like this anymore. Hallelujah. And the devil will speak to your mind or he'll send a Christian across your path and he'll say, yeah, but that's just talking about spiritual needs. That's not talking about financial and material needs. That's just spiritual needs. That's not talking about money. And besides that, You know, Paul was just writing specifically to those people in Philippi. He was just talking to them that God would supply their needs. That didn't apply to you. Do you see the subtlety? He speaks that directly to your mind, or he will send people across your path. He'll have people preach it, however he can get it across to you. He'll say... You know, the Bible says money is the root of all evil. So you better stay away from that. You better stay away from that filthy lucre. You know that filthy lucre's in the Bible. You better stay away from that. You know, you better stay holy and poor. God loves poverty. That's what he, that's what he comes to you with. Well, if God loves poverty, why doesn't he live that way? Why didn't he live that way himself? What about uh, after Jesus? What about the book of Acts? And what the Holy Spirit did through the apostles? People were healed. People spoke in tongues. Uh, You know, and Satan will say, well now, but you need to read these commentaries by these learned intellectual people. And they will explain to you, uh, you know, that this passed away. That was just for the early church. And that was just to get the early church started. Uh, and, and now, the, you, know, we're, uh, you know, we're more advanced people than those people were. We're, we're more intellectually advanced. You know, uh, that's not for today. That was just for the early church. Lies, lies, lies. And if you listen to they, these things and you agree with them, Your faith will run down the drain just like water running down the bathtub. If you listen to these lies and you agree with them, Satan will drain your faith. Whenever you find something in the Word that blesses you, Satan will send somebody to shoot you down and drain your faith. And you got all excited about something and they just popped your balloon and... And you think, oh, well, you know, I got all excited there. I I guess I should have known that's not for today. Or, you know, you start agreeing with that, and I mean, your faith will go down the drain in a matter of minutes. When God said to Adam and Eve, everything in this garden is yours the gold, everything don't you know that faith rose up on the inside of them? Don't you know they got excited? You know look at this abundance as far as they could see everything as far as we can see it belongs to us don't you know they got excited and here Satan comes along and says did God really say that everybody say out loud faith drainers these are faith drainers he comes to challenge God's Word When you find a scripture and promise from God that blesses you and the next thing you hear in your mind is that's not talking about you. Cast it out. Amen? The Bible says casting down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the word of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How many millions of Christians have been drained and robbed of their faith and robbed of the blessings and provision of God just by these few examples that I've mentioned I heard Brother Copeland say one time he said I'm not going to a church and pay somebody to destroy my faith and I'm not either amen hallelujah we've got enough with the devil we don't need somebody else helping us. Satan just keeps using this little bag of tricks, lies, and deception over and over because people continue to believe it and accept it as God's will century after century. So don't allow the devil to drain your faith. God says it is precious. Satan will directly or through other people, question and challenge God's word and shoot you down. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had this happen? Yeah? Yeah. Amen. You come to a meeting like this, or you listen to a CD, or you read something in the word, and you get excited about it, and somebody comes along to shoot you down. And always remember about that pastor's wife, that walked in your hospital room, and what did she say to you? Um, you remember I, that pastor's I don't wife? Remember, actually. She said, God, God, is is God, "God is a God of God affliction." Of yeah, he no, did. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. She walked into her hospital room and said, God is a God of affliction. Now, isn't that edifying? (laughs) You know what I mean? You want to talk about the devil. You know? You want to talk about a doctrine of devils. That's one of them. Notice, the devil did not walk in her room, dressed in a red suit, carrying a pitchfork, with a pointed (laughs) tail and ears. No, he sent another Christian and not only a Christian, a Christian leader with that little faith drainer. He's trying to drain your faith. But when you know the truth and you stop listening to the devil's lies, it makes you free. Amen? Jesus said, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. I, I, this term pathological liar came to me, and I looked it up. It says a person who lies to the point of it being considered a disease or condition, an abnormally habitual liar, a person who lies compulsively, usually for for no external gain or benefit, and often with detrimental consequences. Now, let's go back here to Genesis 3, verse 4. Satan says, you won't die. That may be what he said. You know, that may be what God said, but that's not what he really meant. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you read something in the Word and your faith rose up and you got excited and somebody said, well, that may be what the Bible says, but that's not what it really means. You better run. You better run from those people. I have two questions. Why is Eve even having this conversation with the devil? Why is she even having this conversation in the first place? And why is Adam standing next to her and he does not even open his mouth? He's listening to this whole conversation and he never opens his mouth he knows exactly what's happening the Bible says he was not deceived and I'll point out another little thing this is not the main point of what we're talking about here but when God said over here in chapter 2 I think it's chapter 2 when God said to Adam you shall not eat of this tree for if you do you'll surely die Eve was not even there. Eve was not even on the scene when God said to Adam, "Don't eat of this tree." Uh, Eve did not come along till verse. Whatever I, I I had it written down in my other notes. Which one? 18, yeah. Comes off straight off yeah. Uh, Eve came on the scene three or four verses later so she was not even there when God said to them you're not to eat of this tree do you think Satan took advantage of her lack of knowledge yeah do you think Adam was supposed to tell Eve what God said look dear heart you see that tree sweetheart we're not, God told me we're not to eat of that if we do we'll die He should have told her that. That's a side point, but I wanted to point that out while we're here. It was none of Satan's business what God said to them about that tree. It was none of their business, it was none of his business whether they ate of it or not. It's nothing to do with him. It's none of Satan's business what you're believing for. It's none of his business what God has promised you in his word. Why are you even entertaining any thoughts from him? When you're going through a trial of your faith, you do not entertain faults the enemy throws at you challenging God's word. What if this? What if that? What are you going to do about this? You don't sit there and have a conversation with him in your mind. What do you do? James 4, 7. Resist him and he will flee. Doesn't say he might flee, it says he will flee. And if he's not fleeing, then we're not resisting him. Amen? Hallelujah. In all fairness to Eve, she could not turn to James chapter 4 and read that verse. She couldn't. I mean, and you can see why people in the Old Testament were, were such at a great disadvantage compared to us. They didn't have the Bible. They certainly didn't have the New Testament. They, were, they, uh, were, they lived under the control and dominion of Satan. You know, uh, God gave them, you know, his word, and as long as they kept his word and his commandments, then he would protect them and cover them and so forth. Uh, and as long as they obeyed the word. But but Satan had a control over this earth. He, he ran up and down uh, rampant across this earth. That's not the case anymore. He's been defeated. We're the ones with the authority. We're the ones that are supposed to be controlling and dominating him. Now, verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. They already knew good. All they knew was good. As far as they could see was good. God never intended for them to experience evil. He never intended for them to experience evil. If they wanted to know about evil, all they had to do was ask him. I mean, they talked to him every day. If they, they said, what's evil? <laughs> and God would have explained it. And they wouldn't have had to experience it to find out what it was. This was really simple. And Satan complicated it. Verse 5. For God doth know that any day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Satan not only comes to challenge the word. Here's another device. He will cast a shadow over God's character. He'll put a question mark over God's character. That's what he's doing right here. He's uh, trying to convince Eve that God is the one who's really trying to deceive them. God's the one who's really holding back. God's the one tricking them. God's the one deceiving them. There's an ulterior motive behind God for why he told you not to eat of that tree. And, you know, he's putting a, a question mark over God's character. He's the one you can't trust. He's the one you can't trust. Satan wants you to question the goodness of God and the reliability of God. He did the same thing to Job. And we're going to get into that later. I think he's going to be further on into this series, so we're not going to go into that now. But well, what about Job's wife? Talking about a faith drainer. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, that's a faith drainer. How could, in other words, how could a loving God let something like this happen to you? You're a righteous man. How could a loving God let something like this happen to you? That, how many times have you heard that? You know, a... Uh, um, Acts 27, we're not going to turn there, but Paul was in a ship going to Rome, and this hurricane hit them that lasted for two weeks. Now, that's a long time for a hurricane, I don't know, even hurricanes that hit America, they hang around a couple of days and they're gone, but two weeks is, that's a test and a trial, (laughs) you know? But uh, if that happened today, somebody would probably say, maybe God's trying to teach you something. That's probably what they'd say today. But we're going to finish on this. Verse 25, Acts 27, 25. This has been a rhema word to me before, and it it always causes faith to rise up when I read it. Paul said, You know, God said, don't worry, don't be fearful. He said, cheer up, man. We're going to Rome. I have heard from God. And verse 25, he said, For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And I mean, I have read that before, and it was just like God standing in front of me saying, Barb, it's going to be just like I told you it's going to be. That, that can be a real rhema word if you will latch on to that. God is good. God is just. It is His will for us to be blessed and victorious regardless of what you may be experiencing. Hold on to it. You will come out victorious. Hold on to your faith in your spirit. God is real. He's good. He's true. And no one ever trusted in him and was made ashamed. Amen? That's what the word says. Hallelujah.